Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to U.S. Markets Wrap. I'm Sean Cheong. The S&P 500 advanced modestly overnight to its highest close since 2023 began. It added 0.2% to finish at 4,283 points. This comes as Wall Street digested a recent rally that led to the broad index to have its highest level in nine months. Also, at a 2023 closing high, the Nasdaq Composite, which climbed 0.4% to end at 13,276 points. Meanwhile, the Dow Jones Industrial Average eked out a narrow gain. It closed at 33,573 points. This coming as losses of more than 2% in Merck and United Health weighed in on the blue chip average. So for more insights this morning, I am joined by Tim Murray, a capital market strategist and vice president at TUO Price Associates. And he is on the line all the way from Baltimore and Maryland. Good evening, Tim. Good evening for me and good morning to you there in Singapore. Happy, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's get to it. So now it looks like you know, with the debt ceiling deal, it looks like we're going to circle back to business as usual, not discounting the upcoming FOMC meeting alongside other concerns like the nagging inflation rates and, uh, and the nagging inflation and interest rates. Um, what are you expecting? Are, are you expecting like a recession coming? It's a good question and, and it's one that I think everybody's been debating for really about a year now here in the U.S. Uh, it's interesting. If you go back a year, we had a lot of reasons to expect a recession was coming. Uh, we had the Fed you know, embarking on probably its most aggressive tightening cycle in about 30 years, maybe, maybe longer than that. Uh, you really have to go back to the 80s to see anything like this. You had banks starting to kind of bank, bank lending, bank credit starting to dry up a little bit. You had inventories building up, um, which was which was a bad news for manufacturing. And then you had consumers kind of struggling with, with elevated inflation, right? Uh, inflation at that time was almost at 10%. So as a result, kind of you plug those elements into any macroeconomic model, and it would have told you we were definitely going to have a recession sometime in the next 12 to 18 months. But here we are, you know, 12 months later, and we haven't had a recession, and it doesn't look like we're going to have one anytime real soon. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have one on the horizon maybe, you know, six months out, but for now, it looks okay. And it's, it's really been interesting um, given what I mentioned earlier about those four really significant headwinds that, that we were facing, but the reality is we've had three things that have meant that the economy has been so much more resilient than normal. I think what I would say, number one part of of that is that kind of the cycles were out of sync, unlike normal. Normally, when you have a downturn in the economy, everything, manufacturing, services, housing, you know, everything goes down together and then goes back up together. But because of COVID, because of what happened during COVID, which was, you know, manufacturing, housing, technology, they were all able to, to hold in very well and actually kind of thrive during COVID when everybody had to stay at home and work from home. That was fine for those areas, whereas services and non-residential construction, that really suffered. So now what's happened is in 2022, as we came out of COVID, um, the services side of the economy really accelerated and was really strong there in 2022. Meanwhile, manufacturing, housing, technology all suffered a lot during 2022. So what happened was that recession that we thought we were going to have, we had it in kind of parts of the economy, 
but not in the services side of the economy. And so that's why we've been okay. But now we're kind of seeing the reverse of that. Now we're seeing services slow down, but we're seeing manufacturing do well. We're seeing technology do well. So it sounds like whatever you just described is just remnant effects created during COVID. Yep. It's kind of the, the echo effects of COVID are causing this very weird and kind of unprecedented dynamic in markets and in the economy. So the Fed, meanwhile, seems to have reached its desired destination. The stubborn inflation seems to be edging down a little. So what is the story that's going to come next for the Fed? I would say that the Fed has reached its desired destination, right? Inflation is coming down. Um, they have short rates in restrictive territory. They've, they've raised rates all the way to 5.25%, and that is definitely restrictive enough. The problem is that, and so that's kind of the conditions that are necessary for a pause. The problem is they have to be careful about pausing and letting the market think that a pause means that they're going to cut soon. The worry is that because longer interest rates, so like the 10-year yield, which is at about 3.7% right now, that's only modestly restrictive and they need it to stay restrictive. They need it to stay where it is. So they're worried that if they pause, if they say, okay, we're not, it'll be the second pause in a row if they don't increase rates at the next meeting, they're worried the market's going to take that and say, oh, we can, uh, we can expect cuts are coming soon and then that 10-year rate will come down. So probably what I would think is going to happen is they will pause, they won't hike rates at the next meeting, but they're going to um, work really hard and talk really aggressively and hawkishly to try to convince the markets that that doesn't mean they're done, that they could still hike further. And they might actually hike maybe once or twice more later in the year. But I think they'll become very data dependent from here. Okay, so let's just uh, turn back the clock here for a bit. With all the things that you've just described earlier, uh, how does this moment that we're in currently compare to the global financial crisis of 2008? I would say it's very, very different situation from uh, the global financial crisis. The number one thing was that the economy in general had much more leverage going into the global financial crisis. So financial leverage was through the roof, not only for corporations, not only for banks, also for consumers, right? So, so many consumers had borrowed massively against their houses, uh, run up huge credit card debt. And also, you know, there were very many businesses who had kind of kind of taken the same tact. You know, the feeling was, hey, the economy is in great shape and we can take as much risk as possible. And then when we had the housing crisis hit, things just took an abrupt turn. This time, the slowdown is much more anticipated. I think everyone kind of saw it coming. So as a result, you didn't have that same amount of leverage in the economy. And what also uh, contributed to that, especially on the consumer side, is that during COVID, we kind of had this um, forced deleveraging, a forced saving. So, you know, everyone was was at home. They weren't able to go out and spend money like they they normally would. They weren't able to go to restaurants and take and go on vacation, so they just kind of had to stay home. And most people spent almost half as much or maybe like 60% as much. And at the same time, you had the government doing a lot of stimulus and just handing out a lot of stimulus checks. So as a result, you had this massive balance, uh, savings balances built up in the economy. In fact, by my calculations, it was as much as $2 trillion in excess savings that uh, U.S. consumers had. Now, a lot of that is, has kind of been used up, 
We're now probably something close to, to like 600 billion to a, one trillion of it left, but it's still there's that left, and that that means that we're in a much better financial situation right. going into this slowdown. All right, and uh, Tim, before I let you go because we're running out of time, so if we look at potential opportunities, the the Russell 2000 was a big winner today. It was up by more than two and a half percent. It's on a winning streak, and so is this a small cap comeback and a rotation of the mega caps, or will we see it as a time that maybe is people are trying to be playing catch up with the mega cap tech stocks and look at how the markets are playing out now. What should investors be thinking when they reassess the positioning of their own portfolios? Yeah, I think small cap is a great place to have maybe not a, a, a large part of your portfolio, but at least some of your portfolio because it is very, very uh, cheap right now. It's really inexpensive relative to large caps. Maybe really the biggest discount we've seen for small caps relative to large caps since uh, the, uh, the global financial crisis. So this is a great time, we think, to own small caps. But that said, small caps do have a lot of risk with them. They're very economically sensitive. So if we do start to see the economy weaken from here, they could suffer. But on the other hand, if the economy does muddle through like we've seen it do so far, small caps have a lot of upside that you just don't see in large caps. And is this a rotation out that we are seeing? I would say probably over the near term it could be. Uh, we are seeing kind of a broadening out um, of, of breadth in the market this week, but it all is going to depend on you know where we go from here as far as the economy. If we if we uh, are kind of at the bottom, then then I think small caps could do very well. All right, thank you for your time today, Tim. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we've been speaking with Tim Murray, the capital market strategist and vice president at T. Rowe Price Associates. Have a good evening ahead, Tim. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.